Exodus 13, verses 1 through 16, page 55 in your pew Bible. This is the word of our God. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today, in the month of Aviv, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand, and as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of the animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I shall redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand, or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Sends the reading of the Lord's word. Let's pray and ask him to bless it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you freely give it to us, that we don't have to earn it or seek it out, but that it's here and for us. Please teach us, Lord, who you are. Show us what you've done. Help us to rejoice and to be thankful, but also to look to the future that we have a hope of resurrection. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So you may have noticed that this book is called Exodus. But you would expect, right, for a book called Exodus, that this Exodus thing would be the final event. Right? This would be the culmination. The last chapter would be about the Exodus and how amazing and incredible and just be this slow build-up to the Exodus. At least that's, if you were writing a book or making a movie about this, that's probably how you would do it. Instead, the Exodus has already happened. In the 12th chapter, and we still have 28 chapters to go. There's still a lot of book left. And it happens so fast, right, that if you weren't paying attention, you blink and suddenly the exodus has already happened. Right? 
You have all this buildup. You have plague after plague after plague after plague. You have all this, this buildup and movement towards the Exodus, and then it occupies like six verses, and then it's done, and now you're on the other side of it. It's kind of like, <laughs> what's going on? Clearly, this is an important event, and yet, you would expect some more fanfare. Right? At the very least, you'd expect the next thing to happen or the next verses would be some sort of triumphant song or some sort of celebration, like in Star Wars, right? how the, they finally blow up the Death Star and now there's the, all these Ewoks dancing and they're blowing the trumpets and it's a huge party. You'd expect something like that for an event that's so big. And yet, the next words we get in chapter 13 are, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both a man and a beast is mine. Not exactly a description of a party or a celebratory song. We're expecting a happy ending, right? But we don't exactly get happy ending vibes. But just because it doesn't look how we expect it to look doesn't mean that the Lord isn't doing something here. These words actually do tell us what a big deal the Exodus is and how important it is. In fact, this whole passage is it's vital to understand what just happened in the Exodus. And not just for the people who directly participated, but for every generation afterwards. That the Exodus will resonate throughout every generation, throughout Israel's history, that this is the defining moment of a people. That everything that the Lord says in this passage, right, is, is pushing God's people to remember what just happened. They're meant to teach God's people and to teach their children to remember the Exodus, to remember what God has done. And yet, something's still missing. It still doesn't have that, those happy ending vibes that we're looking for. And I think that's on purpose. Because as much as the Lord wants His people to remember the redemption that they have just experienced, and He wants them to teach future generations, He also wants His people looking for more. So we'll get into all of that. First, let's look about how this passage is pushing God's people to remember the Exodus, to remember the redemption that has just happened. Because remember where we are in the story. Israel has, has just been thrust out of the land of Egypt, carrying nothing but their unyeasted dough and some pots and some pans. They haven't had any time to prepare provisions. Right? They have to, had to go in the middle of the night. And they're laden with all the silver and gold and jewelry and clothes that they can't eat. And they're headed out into the wilderness. Just knowing that whatever happens, they're going with God. Because despite all the suddenness and despite the fact that they, have, they don't have much on their backs, this is the best day of their lives. Because this is the first time that any of them have ever breathed free air been 400 years of slavery 400 years of being oppressed by Pharaoh being forced into backbreaking labor and now they're free this is an important day 
And that's why Moses tells them in verse 3, Remember this day. Remember it. Remember that you have come out from Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. You're not slaves anymore. But remember also, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. It's not just remember that it happened. It's remember who made it happen. In fact, four times in this short passage, Israel is reminded that it was the Lord who brought them out of Egypt by a strong hand. Four times. Verse 3, verse 9, verse 14, and verse 16. By a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. I think the Lord reminds his people so many times right, that it was by his hand that he brought them out of Egypt because God's people would much rather see themselves as the hero. They, no one wants to see themselves as the damsel in distress, right, incapable of helping themselves. But the Lord wants them to remember that they're not the heroes. They didn't escape slavery by their own strength or by their own guile. They got out because God brought them out. And there's so, this is such an important thing to remember that God says it four times. And then verse 3, right, By a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And this part about no leavened bread is actually so important that God says it again in verse 6. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen with you. And no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. Like, okay, we get it. This is important. right? Why does God say these things? Though? Why is it so important to not have any leavened bread? To only eat unleavened bread? And I think the key is verse 5. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. I want you to think about this. When do you tend to forget the Lord? Is it when times are good or when times are bad? Probably when they're good, right? That's when you tend most often to forget the Lord, when things are going well, when you start to believe that you don't need Him. So let me paraphrase verse 5. God said, when things get good, you're going to be tempted to forget where you came from and who brought you here. And by eating unleavened bread, which is essentially poverty food, You'll be reminded of the state of slavery and poverty that I, the Lord, brought you out of by my strong hand. When you enter into this land flowing with milk and honey and you have plenty, for seven days, eat like a a poor person to remember the only reason you're here is because God brought you here. Because that's where you came from. You were slaves. You were poor. It's by God's hand that you are now rich and full. 
And that's why it's so important. Because God does not want his people to forget where they came from because then they'll forget him. Then they'll forget what he has done. They'll forget just how big of a deal this exodus is because it is the event that transforms them from slaves to people free. And the only reason that they're not slaves anymore is because they were bought with a price. What price, you ask? Jump down to verse 11. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers, and he shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. If if unleavened bread is a reminder of slavery, then the consecration of the firstborn is a reminder of the price that God paid to bring them out of slavery. Verse 15. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Israel must never forget that it took the blood of Pharaoh's firstborn and of all of Egypt's firstborn in order to set them free. That God paid a huge price in blood for their lives. And that's not a price that Israel could have paid. They couldn't have done that. They couldn't have worked their own freedom. The price was too high. And so by consecrating to the Lord their own firstborn, they're reminded that this is what it took to get us out of Egypt. This is what the Lord did for me. And it's as if they're replaying the events by redeeming their own firstborn, which parallels how the Lord redeemed Israel, because he called Israel his firstborn. And he brought them out. He redeemed them. And so now Israel must redeem their own firstborn sons to remember what God has done. Because it's, it's the same thing with the bread. Right? When things get good, when you're put into this land and it's flowing with milk and honey, you're going to be tempted to forget that you are not capable of paying this price. You're going to be tempted to, to start thinking that I did this. This belongs to me. I have, I have earned this land. I have earned this donkey. I have earned this son. And God says, no. They must forever belong to me because I earned it for you. And the Lord wants not just the people who have directly experienced the exodus to remember this. But in verse 8, the Israelites are told, You shall tell your son on that day, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. 
And then in verse 14, And when in time to come your son asks you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Why is the Lord so interested right, in, in the sons and children being taught these things? It's because the Lord didn't just buy the freedom of one generation. He bought the freedom of all of them. The Exodus wasn't just the defining moment of one generation of people. It was the defining moment of, of all Israelites forever. And again, when do we start to forget the Lord? When it's, it feels like it's ancient history. When it's been a long time. When it's generations down the line and people start to forget what has happened. And the Lord knows that every generation is going to try to establish their own identity. Every generation looks to, the, to the, the last generation and says, we can do it better. Yeah, they needed to be redeemed from Egypt. They needed God's help, but we don't. But God wants them to know and to be taught, to be reminded constantly that they already have an identity. That what the Lord did in the Exodus, He did for them. That even though they weren't present at the Exodus, this is their history. They were slaves. They were not capable of buying their own freedom. But they needed God. They could not pay the price that God paid. And everything they have comes from Him. And every generation will have to learn these lessons again. And again and again. And the irony is that the people that are hearing these instructions in Exodus 13 are not the people who will enter into the land. The generation that hears these instructions will die in the wilderness. And it will be their children who have grown up being taught about what God has done. It is they who will enter into the land. It's these sons and daughters who grow up in the wilderness being taught about the Exodus, being taught and eating unleavened bread for seven days and being redeemed and seeing their, their others being redeemed. It's they who will enter into the land. And it's they who need to remember. Because it's this generation that will be tempted to forget everything. Because it will seem like ancient history. But I think there's one more reason why the Lord wants future generations to be taught. And it's because they're, they're supposed to see their parents consecrate the firstborn over and over and over and over again. And then they would grow up and they would consecrate their firstborn over and over and over again. And they would teach their children to consecrate the firstborn over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Every generation, for the foreseeable future... Doesn't it feel like something's missing? 
If God paid the price for their redemption, why do they need to continue to sacrifice and pay with their own firstborn? Is it only so that they might remember? Or is it meant to feel incomplete? I think it is. Just think back to the intro and how we said that even these first words of chapter 13 don't really have happy ending vibes. I think it's it's because this passage is meant to make God's people want more. They're meant to be looking for more, that something doesn't feel complete and full about our redemption because we have to keep doing these things. We have to keep following these rituals that... We have to keep sacrificing and spilling blood. I think the reason is because as as big as the Exodus is, and as much as the Lord wants His people to remember it, He wants them looking, not backwards, but forwards. Because the Exodus redeemed Israel from slavery, but it did not redeem them from death. That if not for the Lord's continued grace, they still deserved death. Their sins still existed. The Exodus didn't pay for their sins. And that's why they had to continue to remember the Exodus with death. By killing lambs and sacrificing them. By breaking donkeys' necks. By paying a price for their firstborn sons. Because they're not meant to look only backwards, but forwards in hope that there's, there's a coming redemption from the Lord that will be better than the Exodus. That there's something that God still has to do in order to redeem them from sin and from death. And this passage makes it clear what that price must be. It must be a firstborn. Because if, if this passage shows us anything, it's that only a firstborn is worth it. It was the firstborn of Pharaoh and of all of Egypt that were killed for their redemption from Egypt. It's Israel's firstborn who must be sacrificed and redeemed. But none of that was enough. So if all of Egypt's firstborn wasn't enough, and if all of Israel's firstborn wasn't enough, even though they were going to continue to do it for forever, that leaves only one other possibility. Can't be Pharaoh's, can't be yours, it has to be God's. It must be God's firstborn. That's the only option left. So if if they're ever going to be redeemed from sin and death, God must give His firstborn son. Nothing less will do. That's what this passage is meant to teach God's people. The true price of redemption is God's firstborn son. That is why Jesus had to die. Because he was the price. There was nobody else could do it. 
There was no other firstborn who would be acceptable. Only God's firstborn. But the crazy thing is, is that Jesus wanted to die. He wanted to go to the cross. He wanted to pay the price because he loved you. And because for some crazy reason he thought you were worth it. You are more important to God than his own firstborn son. And the best part is that the cross is the redemption that Exodus 13 is pointing to. That Exodus 13 is, is, it wants God's people to look for more, and the cross is that more. And it is enough. The cross doesn't ever point forward to a future redemption. It is the final redemption. Nothing more has to be paid. And that's why we don't offer any more sacrifices. We don't have any more bloody sacrifices or rituals. Because we're not looking for a future redemption. We have it. Christ's blood was enough. We don't have to kill a Passover lamb. We don't have to break a donkey's neck. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are redeemed. End of story. But we're still like Israel in one respect. We're still forgetful. When do you, when do you feel most overwhelmed by God's grace? Is it when you feel like you've got a handle on life and you feel like you're doing pretty good? Or is it when all you can see in yourself is sin and worthlessness? And you look to Christ and you say, why would he die for me? I'm not worth that. When are you struck by the price that Jesus paid? Is it when you think you're worth it? Or when you know you're not? We forget. We forget where we came from. We forget the price that God paid. And the Lord knows that. And so he's given us something to remind us, just like he gave the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the consecration of the firstborn to Israel. He has given to us the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper reminds us of where we came from. It's not a lavish meal. It's not a, it's not a four-course dinner. It's a tiny bit of bread, and it's a bit of wine. And that's on purpose. Because it's not supposed to be a lavish meal. It's supposed to remind us of where we came from. That we were once poverty-stricken sinners. But everything that we have now, you, you have because God decided to bless you. And the supper reminds us of the cost of our redemption. Because Jesus had to be sacrificed. Jesus had to die. 
even if you spent your whole life doing everything perfectly, it would not be enough. And so the supper shows us through the bread and the wine that it was Christ's body and blood. That was the price for your salvation. But again, it's not a bloody sacrifice because Christ's body and blood was enough. And finally, the supper is a way to teach your kids about what God has done and who they are. So when your your son or your daughter asks, well, what does this mean? What does this bread and wine mean? What is the supper? You have an opportunity to tell them, by a strong hand, the Lord has brought us out of our sin. Praise God. So let's, I'd like to invite the elders forward that we can receive this gift. Let's pray. God, we thank you again. We thank you that you gave your son for us. Father, please help us to not forget where we have come from or the price that you have paid. Especially when life is good, Lord, we are tempted to forget we're tempted to praise ourselves and, and to turn away from you. Lord, give us the grace to remember. And not just to remember, but to give to you everything that belongs to you. Because everything that we have is yours. May our lives be a living sacrifice. Not of blood, but of, of obedience and gratitude and joy. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.